Warning, this podcast contains spoilers, but you shouldn't care. Welcome to Hey James, Watch This, a celebration of mediocrity. In this, and indeed every episode, Russ and Fry will try to convince their friend James why he should watch an absolutely unnecessary film. Hey James, Watch This. Hi everybody, welcome to Hey James, Watch This, I am James. I'm Russ. And I'm Fry. And I didn't watch the movie last time. What are we doing? You monster. Well, I, I came back from Rome. Oh, that's right. You were abroad on another of your mysterious trips. Every I've... single Italian stereotype is true. Russ, stop that. This stop thing, stereotypes. the shouting no. in the streets. He's, he's doing the hand they gestures. They smoke like chimneys. Did oh, you? Goodness. But the most important question to me is: Did did you spread word of our podcast? Do we now have of an international following in Italy? <laughs> Oi, James! Listen, I don't. I I speak zero Italian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, what's on the docket today, gentlemen? Well, oh, I also that that was the highlight that I was going to feature on this podcast because it relates to Roman Holiday, the classic with uh, Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. I rode a Vespa around Rome, the first Vespa I've ever ridden in my righty life, and it was around fucking Rome. Nice. And, and you have expressed interest in getting a Vespa. Well, it's required now. Ah. Also, like, look at passion. me. Like, this isn't a person who drives it, a normal it, car. It does seem like you're going to show up and they're just going to ask if they need to service your Vespa. Like, they'll just assume <laughs> yeah. you already have a Vespa. That you already have. And when, when yeah. you don't have one, when they find out you don't have one, they'll be shocked. Yeah. So I had to ride on so many planes going to Rome. And that was the in- all the ammunition I needed to come up with this week's untitled.txt. Our <laughs> scores are currently sitting at Fry 44 and James 41. And all of these questions are about movies, either set on planes or about planes. Ah. All right. <laughs> the Las Vegas scenes were filmed at the legendary Sands Hotel immediately prior to its demolition in late 1996, when the production oh, team of this film heard gotta about be caught the... air. That is yeah, con air. That's what I was trying to think of. <laughs> yes. Uh, when the production team heard about the city's intentions to blow up this historic landmark, they immediately scheduled a multiple camera setup to take advantage of the rare event, which is what you see in the movie. <laughs> awesome. Don't want to waste a good building demolition. No, you don't. While this movie has been criticized for inaccurately portraying pilots and the physics of flying a plane... <laughs> Top Gun. Many alcoholics. Can, can I answer every movie? <laughs> yeah. Many alcoholics have stated that it accurately portrays addiction. Certain Top Gun. Certain is, alcoholics is anonymous. No, 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 no. Certain alcoholics anonymous meetings use scenes from this movie to help visualize the effects of alcoholism. Oh, Independence Day. No. <laughs> That was a good guess, was though. Was that Randy Quaid's character? <laughs> remember? Yeah. I don't think he goes to any pilot? meetings. Hmm. Oh, God. No, I I vaguely recall this movie. 2012. It wasn't, it wasn't up in the air, was it? <laughs> up in the air. You're thinking of the one with George Clooney, where he plays a fellow whose job it is to fly places and lay people off. Oh, Wait, right. That's, that is not the Did you the say answer. it was 2012? It seems like he would also be an alcoholic, though. 2012. Oh, 20. 
Oh, the movie was called 2012. Right? No, the the no. year was 2012, but the movie was called Flight, starring Denzel Washington. Oh, oh yeah, that yeah. one. And that's the yeah. scene where he barrel rolls like a 777 or whatever. <laughs> Body count for this film: 31 humans. Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> How did you get that? Because I didn't finish the question yet. The question was, 31 humans, 29 snakes. I mean, it's, if you say humans, and there are things on a plane, I have to guess snakes on a plane. You are not wrong. Yeah, it it was just, I mean, it was one of those, I think we both knew it's going to be in this list, and we're just waiting (laughs) for the right moment to, to, to jump in with it. So good on you, James. Uh, I was one second behind on that one. Thank you, Fred. John Candy and Steve Martin both stated that this was their favorite film of their own. Oh, shoot. I know this one. Um, mm, But what was his... Uncle Ted? Is that right? No. John Candy and Steve Martin. Oh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. Very nice. I think you were thinking of Uncle Buck for that other one. I was thinking of Uncle Uncle Buck. Thank you very much, Russ. In preparation for her role in this film as Catherine Hepburn, Kate Blanchett learned to play tennis and golf and took cold showers for which Hepburn was known. She also was the first performer to win an Oscar for playing a real-life Oscar winner. Because Catherine Hepburn won four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Does that mean now Catherine Hepburn has technically won five? Is that how that works? It no, does that's, no, not it's not transmuted. Yeah, I think it. I think they combine at that point. No, it's not transubstantiation, Fry. The only, the only way well. that works is if you reanimate their corpse and dance it around like a marionette, and then that wins an Oscar. I want to say that I've Fair. seen parts of this movie, but I don't remember the title. I feel fairly certain I haven't, so I'm just here to distract you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I think it was, uh, was it the JFK movie? No. No, no, no. no. What part of no, the JFK I, I, movie I, was on a plane? I'm just here to distract James. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just screwing with me. I don't remember the name of the movie. That is The Aviator, boys. Oh, that's uh, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She she did the whole Catherine Hepburn, well, boy, let me tell you what I think. Like, yeah, she did the whole thing. Catherine Hepburn is the hottest woman ever. I'm not going to disagree with that There's statement. Audrey Hepburn guys, and there's Catherine Hepburn guys, and I am a Catherine Hepburn guy. Mm. This film is credited with starting the home video industry. Originally, VHS tapes were priced at about $100 upon their first release and were sold mainly to video stores. But oh, this... Butt Blasters 4. No. This film was priced <laughs> immediately to own upon release, made possible by Pepsi showing an ad at the beginning of the tape. And since then, ads in home media and pricing VHS tapes and later DVDs to own right away was common practice. When you say right away, do you mean after theatrical release? Yes. Or? Oh, it was E.T., right? Nope. Hmm. What part of E.T. takes place on a plane? No, I just thought there was a Pepsi sponsorship. Oh, probably so. Uh, I want to say airplane. No. You're, it is six years after Airplane. Six years after Airplane, okay. If only I knew when Airplane was released. 1980 was when Airplane was released. Oh. Back to the Future? No. 
Also, no planes in that. Again, yeah. I mean, if, oh, does right, a flying car count as a plane? <laughs> it does not. Yeah, no, that <laughs> does not. Okay, that doesn't. That doesn't count. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? No, uh, that's too. Early, well, I guess I mean they travel by plane, but no, it, it features a lot more planes. So many planes. It's Top Gun. Oh, oh, god <clears throat> damn! How did we both miss that one? I always thought that was an ad for volleyballs. And oh, so, okay, I didn't know when to bring this up, but I uh, <laughs> was on a plane, as evidenced by Untitled.txt, and I watched Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> oh, did you? Now, what did you think? I was asked by someone after the fact, "Did you enjoy Top Gun Maverick?" And I still don't know the answer to that question. Because I watched it all the way through, but all I watched was like the first half of Top Gun and then the second half of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is what happens. And no one mentioned it. Like there wasn't even a tongue-in-cheek thing in the movie where it's like, hey guys, re- remember that yeah, space movie Air, or whatever? Nothing. Air, Force was... pilot, Air Force pilots aren't nerds like us. They're not going to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> it was... Fucking ridiculous. It, uh, weren't the plane physics in the first one kind of normal? Like, I thought they shot a lot of it from planes. The, the Yeah, they were limited the, in that respect. The, the, the biggest inaccuracy in the first one is that they would have all been sentenced to death for the things that they did well, in the military planes. But then you there look at watch lot of crimes. Top, you watch Top Gun Maverick, and he's doing crime crimes. Like, the beginning oh, yeah. of the movie is him stealing a magic space plane blowing it up and somehow teleporting back to earth it is never mentioned that he blows up in space going faster than man and then he's just in a fucking diner in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah i love that movie maybe i love that movie anyway it 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 has its charms it really does i'm really glad i did not see that movie it really tests how well you're able to suspend your disbelief I thought you were going to say patience, that it tests your patience. <laughs> no, it never tests your patience. Uh, it doesn't have time for patience. This movie goes too fast. I watched that whole damn thing. Mm. And then I followed it up with Picnic at Hanging Rock, where three girls disappear, and that's the movie. Uh. <laughs> for an argument between announcers concerning the red and white zones at the airport, oh, the that's producer- airplane. airplane. Oh, I'm going to give that one to Fry, but we'll listen to the tape. Okay. I'm giving that one to Fry, one. but we will check the tape on that one. I would I would just like to say I would have known that even if Fry hadn't said airplane earlier. And to prove that, I'm going to relate to you a scene from Airplane 2, wherein William Shatner and Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> the, the sequel, are talking to each other over a screen. And the, the communication is fizzy and it's not working. And they finally say, oh, this isn't working. And they open a door and they're standing on opposite sides of the door even though we're talking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, here's the rest of that. The producers hired the same voice artists who had made the real-life announcements at L.A. International. At the real <laughs> airport, the white nice. zone is for loading and unloading. And there's no stopping in the red zone. And they were also married to each other. <laughs> what i didn't know that that's amazing outstanding <laughs> are you sure you didn't make that up just for a cute fact i did not i'm well, not going to fact check fact you never let yeah that... I, I i'm yeah at this point i don't want to never let the truth get in the way of a good story <laughs> 
Some of the previews for this film claimed that Saddam Hussein was played by himself. South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> no. Good guess, though. This is wrong. It wasn't like Three Kings or something, was it? Nope. Okay. Yeah, Fry's guess was was better than any guess I had. I mean, it um, is a movie that features Saddam Hussein. Yeah, I don't. I and can't think of a whole it, lot of movies that. If if you found out that was true, that he'd recorded his own voice lines, would it be the I weirdest mean, thing you'd heard in your life? I mean, I I honestly that part of the question didn't really register with me. Oh, oh, I can think of... Oh, there's no planes in that movie. Well, here's a fun fact. The same guy played Saddam Hussein in this movie and in Big Lebowski. Oh. Uh, I think that made me more confused. Yeah, than I still less. got yeah. nothing. That the was your answer... first anti-hint. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Hot Shots. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. How could I forget? I say you were going to kick I don't yourself love, out of that one. I I don't love the Hot Shots movies, but I do love the Hearts of Hot Shots, the fake a good one. documentary, the mockumentary that was made about the making of Hot Shots. That is the best thing that's ever been put to film. This I, I okay. So for my penultimate question, <laughs> this might be my favorite factoid ever, just because of how this is phrased. This film marks the third time Tom Hanks has portrayed an actual tragedy. And the second time where the events took place in 2009. This is Sully, right? That is Sully. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It was like I knew that one was going to be in there. And the other the other one with the the other tragedy was the the I'm the Captain Now movie, right? Well, yes, that was Captain Phillips. Oh, Can you name Captain the third? Phillips. Oh, oh, um Wait, what was the question? I, I said this movie, Sully, was the third time Tom Hanks had portrayed an actual tragedy, and the second where the events were in 2009. So Sully, the the real Sully Sullenberger, happened yeah. in 2009, and then Fry's second one was Captain Phillips, where he the I Am the Captain Now movie. So oh, my question oh, was, and then what what's was the third, the third one? one? Oh. It wasn't in 2009. No, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to remember the name of the movie. The real life events happened in 1970. Yeah, I think I think I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. I don't remember the name yeah, of the movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, what happened in 1969? JFK? No, Mankind went somewhere. Oh, Apollo 11. Apollo 11, 13, 14. Apollo 13. Apollo 13. There you go. We got yeah, there. It's 13. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which one wait, was it that, that had the spiders? That's not a tragedy. What are you talking about? Well, technically, Sully also landed the plane. Yeah, it was still like a near tragedy. Apo- it's no, a tragedy that wasn't for a the tragedy. birds. They just had they just had an issue and they resolved it. That's how you do things. That's not Gary a Sinise got a bladder infection in space. I mean, you can't win them all. It's not a tragedy. <laughs> Burns when you pee. <laughs> they fixed him up when he got back. President Bill Clinton, who. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> good, good segue. Here we go. That's the start. President Bill Clinton, who was the real U.S. president at the time of this film's release, loved and enjoyed the film so much that he saw it twice while in office and praised it, giving it good reviews. He did point out, however, that the real plane doesn't have a parachute ramp or escape pod. Oh, this got to be Air, Air Force, Force One. One. Ooh, I'm going to give that one to James. Ah, fair hey, enough. Fry. Hey, Fry, get off my plane. 
<laughs> and Bill Clinton actually got to say this to the director, Wolfgang Peterson, and Peterson responded that the future models of Air Force One would. Awesome. Did you just spit on your camera? Why are you blurred? No, I didn't. I thought I maybe did. I checked it, but it's blurred me out for some reason. <laughs> Hello. Hello. It's the doctor. James's camera has decided he is now not safe for work. <laughs> I have fixed it with magic. You see, it it's not that the camera was broken. We just work with a Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, I can't really deny that. Like, it would be difficult for me to go, I'm not a Bigfoot. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. I am pretty hairy. Only a Bigfoot would deny it. <laughs> well, that would be three to Fry and three to James. And so that makes the score 47 for Fry, 44 to James. All right. All right. Well, well. Uh, what do we have? Oh, golly. What do we have? This was another round of foreign drama. Uh, yes. <laughs> yep. And I'm still so displeased with that category, but we bring okay. you a joint production between Mexico, France, and Sweden. Okay. This is 2021, and this is Sundown. Fry, take it away. All right. After I get done telling you about this story, I'm going to uh, share an amusing fact just about my particular watch of it that I think you'll get a kick out of. <laughs> okay. I missed a crucial piece of information at the beginning, and <laughs> it changed how I saw the whole first act of the movie. Russ is dying ooh, ooh. over there. Tell, tell me, so then, I, is there any way you can tell me, like, your impressions having missed that fact? Like, I think this will be fascinating. Okay, you know what? I will tell you what my impression of the movie yes, was, yes. having missed That's that awesome. crucial piece of information. Yes. So, a man and his wife and two kids are visiting Acapulco. <laughs> Russ <laughs> is <laughs> laughing his ass off. Okay. And while they're there, his, his wife gets a call that her mother has died. Okay. And well, she's sick, and then they start getting ready to go, and then they're like, you know, heading to the airport, and they get the call that she died. They get to the airport, and we we did, by the way, get a great montage of just how fucking nice Acapulco is. You know, first few minutes, <laughs> really nice time. A lot of sitting around quietly in the sun, which sounds great. For all listeners, Acapulco Acapulco is ravaged by gang violence and should not be visited by anyone. Also that. The movie's getting there. They all rush to the airport and they get to the airport and they've got like concierge service, like getting them through directly to their plane and all this. And, oh no, the husband doesn't have his passport. So since their plane is leaving right now, he says he's going to go back to the hotel. He must have left it in the safe, get it and catch the next flight out to London and catch back up with them. Okay. He does not do any of that. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Instead, he leaves the airport, gets in the first taxi he sees, and just says the word hotel until the man chooses a hotel and brings him to one. Oh, no. That's probably not a great idea. (laughs) Fry, did you watch this movie with subtitles? I don't think I did. And that's probably why I missed a a little bit here at the beginning. No, because I did watch it with subtitles. And regrettably, the subtitles also translated the Spanish. I don't think the actual movie translates the Spanish. 
Yeah, because, no, I, I did not know what they were saying when they were speaking. Because Spanish. the character of Neil, Tim Roth's character, doesn't speak Spanish and makes zero effort to, and no. usually just repeats the same English words until something happens. Yeah, if you just say the English word louder, right? That's yeah. <laughs> So we see him, you know, check into a hotel and basically go back to what he was doing before, drinking beer on the beach. And Sweet. now also, you know, chatting up the women he meets and things like that. And meanwhile, he's getting calls and he just keeps letting him like, you know, go to voicemail and he calls back. He's like, "Well, I'm I'm going to have to go to the embassy because it's not here at the airport or at the hotel. You know, Fry, it seems like he doesn't want to get back with it to his family. It does seem like that. You may yeah. be catching that. So he he basically keeps that lie up through the weekend. It's like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do anything <laughs> until the, uh, till the uh, embassy opens. So what am I going to do? Uh-huh. And then after that, he just stops answering the phone. Uh, at one point, just leaving it in his room in the drawer. Oh, okay. So, so, so the family got confused. He just moved, is what yeah, happened. Yeah, no. The, he he has moved here now. There's extended sequences. Where, do you remember? I mentioned the Big Lebowski earlier as part of a trivia yeah. question. Do you remember the scene where they make the handoff with the fake money and the Big Lebowski has that suitcase of a mobile phone? I'm sorry, just... Jeff Lebowski, the dude, has that suitcase of a mobile phone that is ringing incessantly because the big Lebowski is calling him and just everyone isn't mentioning it. It's that, but Tim Roth in a beach. Yeah. (laughs) And he'll just like, he'll go to restaurants and just say like beer until they bring him enough beer and... I, c- come on, man! Everybody knows Cerveza. Like that is that's he just is lazy. No trying. He he is not interested in any trying here. <laughs> that is so. Everyone knows Cerveza. That is easy. I don't speak Spanish, but I know that. And so, before long, we we see him starting to form a relationship with the girl who works at the one of the beer stands he goes to. Oh my god! We hear her, we hear her directly <laughs> ask him, "You don't have any." any woman in your life or any kids? And he's like, nope, got none of that. I'm a free man now. (laughs) And finally, the family has had enough of him, like not responding. And the woman I thought was his wife. And I'll, I'll explain here what is actually. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so curious about this. (laughs) Uh, Because at this point, the, the misunderstanding uh, could not keep going on. The, uh, (laughs) That's his sister, and those are his nieces oh. and nephews. Now, Fry, okay. you were meant to find that out when you find that out. Okay, all right. The whole I... familial relationship thing is left very unclear at the start of the movie. All right, so here's the thing. I really assumed I must have missed something because it's just... It just flows, like it just comes out, and I'm like, oh, well, that recontextualizes everything. You, you did not, oh, and yeah. it does recontextualize everything. Yeah. And that's actually kind of a recurring theme in this movie. There's going to be other things that you find out that you get to look back and recontextualize, and I'm not going to spoil those. I couldn't figure out how to talk about this movie without yes. eventually pointing out that it's his sister. Yes. So, so, so what you're saying is that the director is a genius filmmaker. It's actually really well done. I really like that. Well, he's an interesting filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So he doesn't talk 
really about anything. <laughs> he, he, he will say the shortest amount of words to end the conversation. So if he's yeah. on a phone call, it's and that's why he's not trying to learn Spanish because he's not trying to talk to anybody. And yeah, but like even just the basics phrases, like damn, there's well, lots he's, of. Uh, he's, eventually, he hooks up with this girl, and it is not shown what his sexy talk or his pickup lines looked like. It's just like they cut from a restaurant to them fucking, and yeah, yeah. Mm. nothing happens in between. Okay, so I. That's. I'm glad you said that because that kind of segues into my next question. What yes. is this movie about? So we start finding out more about this guy and his family and all that. And mm-hmm. you know, you're meant to know pretty early on they're they're pretty wealthy. They're yeah. staying at like you know all all included resort concierge. Yeah, most people most people can't just like hitch themselves to a place and just decide I live here now yeah. unless they have some amount of funds. Yeah. So we find out he's the the scion of this meat processing family uh, <laughs> that has just incredible wealth. And I'm sorry, that just <laughs> well, the... I'm just I'm just trying to think of all the pickup lines that he might have used, and none of them are quite working out in my head. But it's you've, pretty. You've gross probably already there. eaten my meat. <laughs> no, I was, yeah, I mean, you know, it was more about how big their meats were. But yeah, anyway, go ahead. Want to learn how to pack a sausage? <laughs> it's all so terrible. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I just need a second to recover. That's so, sausage! <laughs> yes. So... We find this out, and basically the whole family's like, they're all pretty pissed at him for just, like, disappearing around, her, you know, his mother's death and not oh, contacting okay. the family all right. in any so way. So this, this is all news to me. So his mom yeah. died, he has responsibilities. I mean, that part I probably could have figured out, but... Yeah. Yeah, okay. He basically left his sister to carry, to take over everything. So his sister finally tracks him down and is basically, you know, what what the fuck? Why did you leave me to do all of this? Right, I believe she right. literally says what the fuck, which is the only acceptable way you could phrase that question at that point. Well, it, I think it's certainly the most common. Yeah, yeah, most commonly accepted. Yeah. Basically, he says, look, I just want out of the family. I'm going to sign away everything. I'll sign it over to you. You can be the sole heir. I, I, I just, I'm done. I don't want to be involved at all. That sounds like someone who's never had to, like, earn money in their life <laughs> well don't don't worry they they come to even with him saying all of this she decides yeah, he, to grant him he's a, still fine but she decides to grant him a ten thousand pound uh monthly stipend to live in acapulco which i think he'll do fine on shit that's a lot of money <laughs> okay a puzzlement are, are are you going to deliver the next big twist fry I'm going to deliver the next big twist, but go no further because okay. I, I think I think this will make you the most interested in the movie. As soon as she signs the paperwork, mm-hmm. she's on the way to the airport, and their car gets attacked by a gang, gang members that he knows that mm-hmm. we've seen him hanging around with, and mm-hmm. she is killed. Interesting. And then he has to deal with the consequences of that. Interesting. Okay. I have a couple of questions for you, Fry. Go for it. And I'm going to try and, Russ, I'm going to try and not get into your territory too much. But in terms of, I'm having trouble getting the vibe of this movie. 
Like, how does it feel throughout? It is very unique because I don't. <laughs> it's Probably, I've never that's seen never let, the best way to describe. Let me it. let me finish the explanation before I'm sorry, you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So it, it is. It's unique in that very few movies require you to like go back and recontextualize everything you've seen up to that point multiple yeah. times. Yeah. And and that was really interesting because the way I saw this at first, I'm like this. Guy's such a massive scumbag. He's leaving his wife at this very awful time <laughs> right. in her life. Right. And then right. it's like, oh, well, he's a lesser scumbag. He still probably shouldn't <laughs> have abandoned his sister. But also his mom did just die. We could consider that. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, holy shit. Now his sister's dead. Like, it's, it's just uh, one thing after another that makes you look back at everything that's come before. Because there's right. lots of parts right. of his life there we don't see. Like Russ mentioned, we'll see the conversation and the fucking, but not everything in between. Right. And so you 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 wonder after that, like, wait, what have I missed? There's been some knowing glances here and there. So it, it's a movie that you're continually having to, like, think about what's happened in context of in a new light. Hmm. And it doesn't... This movie's directed by Michael Franco, who is kind of idiosyncratic to say the least and he has a very unique shot style and he's kind of almost one of these every frame of painting guys and so it almost yeah. looks like he frames the shot and then kind of plans the action well like, like he's one of these guys he's one of the like the yeah. hold up the square and like right because right. Like, there's not a lot of movement yeah many of the shots are are very beautiful too it's it's a very very picturesque movie and I will say, just to, to give you the vibe, it's not like a heavy action movie. I think I've pretty well no, described one that. action scene, but I yeah, don't want no, you to I, think I, I this is not taken. I assume that. No. He also skipped over, you also skipped over the, uh, the jet ski drive-by. Oh, yes. There was a jet ski drive-by that just <laughs> occurs in front of him and which he has essentially no reaction to. I, I mean, the category, I believe, was foreign drama. I was not yeah. expecting action, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Any other mm -hmm. questions? I think I want to hear what Russ has to say first, and then maybe I'll have a few. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Fry, do you have anything you want to say before we move on about this film? No, I don't Don't really have anything to add. I don't want to risk spoiling anything further in the movie, because I, I really okay. did leave about a third of the movie here. Okay. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Sounds good. Russ, would you philosophize us, please? When you read reviews of Michael Franco, the word nihilism turns up a lot. And mm. nihilism would be an easy finger to point here, but it feels too easy. Because nihilism is rejecting all religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. Hedonism, on the other hand, embraces the <laughs> idea that pleasure is the highest good. Neil has that going for him in a way. Like, he seems to take just as much, if not more, pleasure in just drinking beer and fucking than he does in the fancy restaurants at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Right. And maybe there's something to be said for that, but that still didn't feel quite right to me. And then I realized it. For the first half of this movie, I was just absorbing images and being like, what the hell is going on? And then in the second half, I laughed out loud half a dozen times. <laughs> and there's only one other thing that does that to me. And those are shaggy dog stories. 
And for those who are unfamiliar with the term, a shaggy dog story is a long, rambling story or joke, typically one that is amusing only because it is absurdly inconsequential or pointless. Uh, (laughs) The archetypal shaggy dog story involves an advertisement placed in the Times, always the Times, announcing a search for a shaggy dog. And there are two original versions. In the first one, an aristocratic family, living in Park Lane, of course, is searching for a lost dog, and an American answers the advertisement with a shaggy dog that he has found and personally brought across the Atlantic, only to be received by the butler at the end of the story, who takes one look at the dog and slams the door in his face, saying, Not so shaggy as that, sir! Okay. And in the second in the second one, the advertiser is planning a competition to find the shaggiest dog in the world. And after a lengthy search for the dog, a winner is presented to the instigator who says, he's not so shaggy. <laughs> now, I recently heard a new one to me. And now, Norm MacDonald was the master at these things. And so, like, Norm's style of humor, which was not palatable to some people, is was fantastically funny to me. And so, here is the latest one I've heard... So, an Irishman walks into a pub and asks for a pint of Guinness. And the barman tells him, Sorry, fella, can't give you that pint of Guinness. The bats will get you. He's confused by this, obviously. So he heads a few doors down to the next pub and, to his astonishment, is told the exact same thing. Can't give you that pint of Guinness. The bats will get you. So he sets out for the pub three miles down. Told the same thing. Can't give you that. The bats will get you. So he travels to the next county. No progress. Imagine an Irishman can't get a pint of Guinness in Ireland. What's the world coming to? And so he spends the next two years traveling the world. Every pub tells him the same thing. He goes to Egypt. He goes to South Africa. He goes to India. I can't give you that pint of Guinness. The bats will get you. So by the end of this, he looks like Forrest Gump in that running scene. Like he's got the big beard and all his clothes are hanging off in tatters. And he's in Vietnam. And he's swimming to one of those little bars that they have, you know, floating on the water. Because this is the last pub. He, He has to get his Guinness. And he crawls up soaking wet. And he goes into the pub. Can I please get a Guinness? And the barman starts pouring a Guinness. And he stares. Here comes that dark ruby deliciousness. And he waits for that Guinness to settle. And he thinks back about the last two years. And maybe this was the sweetest part of the journey of all. I will. This is perfection. I will never have anything more meaningful than this. And he lifts that Guinness to his lips. And the bats got him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, in this case, it's let me tell you a story about the rich meat packer who went on vacation to Acapulco. Look at this setup. The rust cut of this movie is exactly the same, but at the very, very end, Neil jumps out and yells, The Aristocrats! i was sort of starting to get those vibes that's kind of why i was asking what this movie feels like to watch in preparation for this segment i sometimes read lots of reviews of movies and sometimes i read very few just to puzzle over ideas that i think might be more compelling if acted upon or expanded upon and what strikes me about the reviews for sundown 
is how no one knows what to make of it. Is this a portrait of a sociopath? Is this a meditation on depression? Is this a critique on the 1%? Of course not. And sure, if you want, it, but it's not. It's a shaggy dog story committed to film. Right. I think, however, that one other reviewer absolutely nails this movie. And it's not a reviewer at all. It's a non-profit ratings board. Common Sense Media is an organization that reviews and provides ratings for media and technology with the goal of providing information on their suitability for children. <laughs> and here is what Common Sense Media had to say about Sundown. What parents need to know. Parents need to know that Sundown is a drama about a man, brackets Tim Roth, who walks away from his family after a tragedy, and starts a life of leisure on a beach in Mexico. It's a quiet, keenly observed movie that's possibly meant to challenge viewers' perceptions and judgments. It includes brief, violent shooting sequences with guns, blood, and dead bodies shown. A man is hit in the head with a bottle, and someone collapses and falls downstairs. Death is disgust. There are several graphic sex scenes. A topless woman is shown, and several fully naked men are seen in a prison shower. Language includes a few bursts of fuck, fucking, and motherfucker, <laughs> and one asshole. <laughs> Characters drink liberally throughout. Cocktails at first, and then many, many beers. Why but drunkenness and hangovers are rarely depicted. <laughs> Why would they... <laughs> If, if you have a scene where you say someone drives by and shoots someone, I think we can all assume that they don't have a fucking longbow in the car. <laughs> it was with guns. Really? Was it? Shocking. God. Russ, that was incredible. <laughs> um, okay. <sighs> Decision time. I'm going to take a chance on this one. I like these smaller directors doing these wacky things, and I might not like the movie, but I want to see where they're going with this. Well, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Well, now I want to know. Well, actually, so so here's here's the question: We can should we do the wheel last before the sign off? I think so, right? Well, you have a new segment to debut. It's not really a new segment. We're just sort of modifying the recommendations. So now I'd like to know, gentlemen, what are you both? watching this is not a recommendation so no. i don't care whether you want other people to watch it or not i just want to know what you are watching tv series movies whatever prompt us who well, starts let's start with you okay. because uh, i want to know if you're still watching game of thrones the dragon uh, people incest one can you be said to still be watching a show if you haven't for two weeks I knew you hadn't. You weren't still watching it. Yeah, no, no, I, I think you cannot. I, I yeah. haven't watched any of that. Now I did the, finish She-Hulk. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> here's what I, I do have something to say about She-Hulk. Yes, yes, please. 
First of all, I, I wasn't familiar with the comics, so going into this, I didn't really know anything what to expect. Apparently, right. in the comics, She-Hulk has been breaking the fourth wall for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and there are bits of that, like minor Deadpool-style things throughout the earlier episodes. And then the eighth episode goes insane with it. Oh. Like, the final episode in the series takes fourth wall breaking further than I've ever seen it before. To the point where She-Hulk bursts into the writer's room of She-Hulk. I, I read a review that I think, without any more spoilers than we've already given, and we have the warning anyway, so F off, that she complains about the poor writing of the show in a fourth yeah. wall break because the writing was bad. Yes. So I just wanted to highlight that. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> I think they made seven episodes of a pretty decent show. I, yeah, I liked yeah, the yeah. concept, and then, mm-hmm. who just uh, just lit off all the fireworks at once, and it wasn't <laughs> wasn't quite as good of a show there. So, uh, so they wrote themselves into a corner, is what you're saying? But like, it, it, it's not like they wrote themselves into an impossible. They wrote themselves into a standard Marvel ending where a bunch of things are fighting each other with godlike powers. And then rather than resolve it through a Marvel style fight scene, and then, you know, there is some, some humor to that, to subverting those expectations. But they subvert it so far that she climbs out through the app, through the Disney Plus app, into the <laughs> making of episode in the app, and ultimately confronts Kevin, the head producer of everything, who we mm-hmm. find out is a robot. Okay. And so well, it was just. It was too much all at once. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Daro Brian has a routine. Uh, and Fry, I'm, I'm mentioning this because you used a phrase that I like, blowing off all the fireworks at once. Okay. And Daro Brian has a routine where he talks about a particular fireworks celebration in Oban. That is the little Scottish town that has the distillery that makes the Oban whiskey. Okay. One oh, year, yeah. the townsfolk headed out for their annual fireworks display. And wouldn't you know it, it was one of those years where there was some kind of pyrotechnic error, and all the fireworks went off at the same time. Yeah, and so you get that great image of like children being blown back, like at the start of Terminator <laughs> Two, where like they're holding hang on the fence and the skeleton, the skin explodes off the skeleton. The reason I mention it is because. Uh, you get 30 seconds of insane brightness, followed by 45 seconds of silence. <laughs> and then a little Scottish woman comes on the loudspeaker and says, You can all go home now. <laughs> so when Fry talks about a show blowing off all the fireworks at once, you can all go home now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Uh, Russ, what are you watching? Man, let me tell you what I'm watching. I was on planes, and so I got to watch lots of things. And I already talked about Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I also saw Nope, which was... mm, I didn't know what I expected. I didn't read any spoilers about this one and avoided them assiduously somehow. And Jordan Peele fucking does it again. It's not a movie about UFOs. Awesome possum. Yeah, I heard that one. was Awesome. Chelsea Nope. Well... Not, uh, yet. not yet, not yet, but it is on my list see, of things nope. to see. Oh, man. Uh, I, let's see what else. Hang oh, on. Well, go ahead. Oh, and also Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is an art house movie that pretends to be a horror movie. 
<laughs> yeah, you mentioned it twice now, but you did not seem particularly impressed with it. Well, I saw it, but I, it's one of those movies that you watch for film studies back in college. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, I haven't seen it in so, you know, like fucking 20 odd years, but. Okay. Well, so I found. What have you been watching? Yes, yes, I'd like to jump into that. I found something interesting. So, uh, as you know, I watch a lot of dumb television uh, in between our movies. And uh, I found an anime that appears to be a uh, recruitment uh, <laughs> slash propaganda for the JSDF, the Japanese Self-Defense Force. Oh, is this uh, Macross? No, this is Gate. Gate. So, so Gate is an anime about a gate that opens in Tokyo with a magical fantasy world. And the JSDF... And Oh, oh I should mention... The inciting incident. So, and people are attacked by mean, meanie soldiers on horseback, sort of Roman or medieval level technology. I know those are different things, but fuck off historians. And the point is, obviously, the JSDF has like guns and tanks and things. And so they go into this world and there are dragons and there is magic, but that doesn't seem to matter at all because all they do is just slaughter these fucking Roman-esque <laughs> troops. It's it's kind of hilarious. I, I've always liked this sort of, wouldn't it be funny if a squad of Marines just went back and killed an entire Roman army? And I do think that's kind of funny. <laughs> now, you just, they, just in concept. Go you ahead. just want the film do adaptation they, of Darkest of Days. I do, I do. Do they go into the Japanese constitutional issues of sending their tanks and so on onto foreign soil? It's not considered foreign soil. It is a special zone of Japan. And it's, that is no, where we it, get into the propaganda. All, because All of the, the current Japan is in this reality. If you're driving gate, into a different reality, that's a foreign country. The gate connects to Japan. And nowhere else on Earth. Therefore, and therefore it's Japan. It's part of Japan. It's no. called this. It is literally called the Special Zone. And Fry, you have very cleverly identified where we get into the propaganda. There are long, loving shots of the planes and the tanks, and even the rifles the soldiers carry. I it is. I want a whole ho- season that's just the debates at the UN about this. It's so goddamn funny. So it's let me list the atrocities that the Japanese soldiers (laughs) perform. Now, to be super clear, the JSDF is always presented as the hero unequivocally, and these mean fantasy people, except of course for the women, because as we all know, the women can't be evil. Oh, Japan! But so, so, so the 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 women can absolutely be evil. A sumo wrestler, no, is official, had a heart attack in the sumo ring, and they wouldn't let a woman doctor into it for fear that her woman would spoil it. Well, Japan hates women. Be clear. they They should represent that in their anime because apparently women can't be evil. So there's this evil emperor and his evil son, but of course the the daughter of the emperor, the who they call the princess, which I think is. Funny, but it's a translation thing. It's fine. She's fine. She's pure of heart. She's she's good because she's hot and she's a girl, and she likes the main character. Anyway, I don't know. It is. I I got fascinated watching it. It's not a good show. I just want to be clear. I'm not recommending Gate <laughs> to anyone, but I got fascinated because having lived through 2020 and kind of in the U.S. and all the years of like crazy politics. It's interesting to see another country's take on weird authoritarianism. <laughs> and I got to say, I think their propaganda is a lot slicker than ours. 
<laughs> because it, for the first couple episodes, I was like, oh, this might be a fun show. I thought the characters were going to be complex. But the only reason <laughs> I thought, but the only reason I thought that is because the male main characters did not immediately try to hook up with all the women. And that shows you how low my standards have fallen watching anime, and I need to take a fucking break and watch something else. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast, we're not the only ones to do it. Uh, when Top Gun came out, the first one, uh, the U.S. Navy set up recruiting booths outside of movie theaters showing it. Oh, yes. yeah. It was a yes. big recruitment tool. Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to spend some time with Tom Cruise, you know, on a beach playing volleyball and rolling around in the sand? <laughs> yeah, it sounds very nice, actually. That was the most realistic part of that movie, is all I'm saying. So anyway, yeah, don't watch Gate. It's uh, JSDF propaganda, and it'll melt your brain. Are, are you? Do you think people in the U.S. are at risk of being tricked by this propaganda into joining the JSDF? I think people in the U.S. who watch anime are, by and large, already have their brains melted. So, Sasageo, Sasageo. See, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. Does the JSDF okay. accept foreign applicants? I wouldn't. Absolutely that, not. You, that doesn't sound the, like a thing, right? No. I, I would argue that Japan, for the most part, does not accept, accept foreign foreign applicants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, good job, boys. Uh, we had a fun one, and we're going to sign off now. No, does we're going to spin that wheel. No, we're not. Oh, God damn it. You I liar. Fuck this up. I, you're, I am a liar. It's time to spin the wheel. A classic yeah, what? Let's a classic again. what? Oh. Animation. Yeah. I'll spin it one more time. A classic animation documentary. <laughs> well, no, let's uh, uh, j- j- just, just do animation documentary. Yeah, okay, animation. Yeah. No, no, Fry, don't. No, you can't spin it. This I time. can spin the wheel as often as I want to. <laughs> computer. So a classic animation. Well, it's not going to be. It's not going to be a action? classic. Okay, just yeah. an animation documentary. Yeah, action. Okay. Does that uh, no? No, are we? Does this have to be a documentary that is animated? Don't or can Fry. It be a I'm going to edit that question animation? out. All right. And, J- and James, you're not going to answer that question. Yeah, I have plans. I, I feel. I feel like we've narrowed the field enough that we don't need to give you any narrower options. Like, th- honestly, an animated documentary, if you can pull that off, I'll be pretty fucking impressed. Yeah, I, I, Fry, I know the question you're going to ask, and you, uh, yep. you shut up about that. All right. No, <laughs> uh, no questions here. Uh, I think that's <laughs> nothing to say, and we'll just end this podcast now. Bye. <laughs> all right well uh we all heard the man uh let's all shut up now and go back to bed uh thank you everyone for listening to hey james watch this have a great day and don't drink bleach